The Articulate Coven is the original, unofficial podcast and fan community for Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire and Anne Rice's Immortal Universe from AMC and AMC+. Welcome to The Articulate Coven. We are your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Ashley. And we are The Articulate Coven. Uh, In this episode particularly, we are going to be talking about the sixth episode of The Mayfair Witches from AMC and AMC+. Uh, We are the original unofficial fan podcast and community for uh, AMC's Immortal Universe from Anne Rice's books in particular. We're fans of the Vampire Chronicles and Interview with the Vampire. Uh, We are discussing all of AMC's shows, though, including this one, The Mayfair Witches. Now, Ashley, if anybody's (laughs) been listening to our coverage over the last couple of weeks... Uh, they know that we are not quite as big of fans of this series as we are of Interview with the Vampire. And in particular, this week, I think I kind of turned a corner. And I think a lot of our fan base did, too. And it made me think, I... listen, <laughs> this, is a universe, this is a universe we hope expands, right? And yes, I think absolutely. this is something that we need to prepare for. There will, be, there will be shows that we love a lot. There will be shows that are fine. There will be shows that are probably bad. And that will honestly be a sign of of uh you know success for this universe and for this right. um concept of a connected Anne rice uh, storytelling universe so in in honor of those fans who for whatever reason decide that any given series is not for them i think we ought to do as a service a little bit more of a synopsis of each episode as we go and so that way for folks oh, who that's have said, a good hey, call. they're off the mayfair wagon they can listen to our show get a little bit of you know fun commentary from people who might even feel the same way that they do about the show but also they'll know about the moving storyline as it continues to march forward and in particular any connections that it has i know we've got a lot of people that have been watching the show basically solely for the potential crossover episode that we're supposed to get with somebody from the vampire show happening into one of these episodes. Um, I, at this point, I have no clue what that's going to be. But regardless yeah, of Yeah, who the is, hell can figure that out at this point? Right, right. <laughs> I think we'll try to Lord do a little us. bit better job of, of synopsizing these episodes. All right, so um, Ashley, first off, this one, uh, the episode was called Transference. Tell me what you thought of this one. Your your big your your overall uh, thoughts on this episode. I don't know, Joel. I couldn't even make myself watch it twice. I gotta be real. This was <laughs> this is the this just was really off the rails as far as like you, we've completely left behind any sort of any sort of plot from the book at this point. It's fine, but it's just it's it's nothing what we recognize as um, as the witching hour for sure at this point. I'm just like, I don't even, these people are not recognizable to me. When Rowan couldn't even get a little fucking feisty over him trying to take her necklace from her, she was just kind of whiny and weird about it. I was just like, I had to throw my hands up. I was like, well, she's never going to get badass, is she? She's always going to be kind of, kind of crying and sniveling. And this is what we've got. And I'm just going to have to live with it at this point. Uh, so, so this episode largely is about Rowan deciding that she doesn't want this connection to Lasher. She doesn't want to be the right. Mayfair designee. She doesn't want this connection to this family that she has searched her entire life for Ashley. Right. And now she's found them. <laughs> right, she's like, no. fuck that. I'm I out. don't want you. Uh, I don't like it. <laughs> It's too hot so, here. The so humidity. She, she, Ugh. 
she goes about reaching out to Cortland, who seems like her only potential ally, and asks him what he could do. He says, oh, I couldn't possibly, except I do know somebody who might could. And so... <laughs> Uh, they have a big, they have a big witches get together, and they're going to transfer the power, transfer Lasher's favor, and the Mayfair Emerald, and the you know designee of the family. They're going to transfer all of that to someone else who understands the family and is on board with the mission of the family, is what Cortland has said here. So that's the overarching story of this episode. And once I got that, once I understood that's what transference meant, once I understood that's where this was going. Ashley, I immediately thought, did someone come in mid-season and say, hey, this isn't a character we can build a universe around. we got to write her out of the story. I sort of <laughs> Get wondered. Get rid of your main character. Jesus I Christ. sort of wondered if they weren't just going to go straight to, to Mona here, basically, and be like, never mind. Mona's the, the designee in the second book. Let's just go there. I, and that, Mona it. is not who we have here. We have Tessa instead. But it is, it is such an interesting conceit. None of this, for people who don't read the books, none of this happens in the book. None of this is discussed in the book. The very idea, and no. I'll tell you, Ashley, it feels like to me the, the moment where you checked out on the episode is when uh, Rowan pulled her <laughs> My Precious moment about yes. the Emerald. Yeah. You know, the Mayfair Emerald is a special item, but it's not the One Ring, y'all. There is a very successful right. movie franchise, too, in fact, and a TV series now about that particular magical item. And they're all better than this! Yeah, they're all, they're so much better. Even that shitty, so much elongated Hobbit nonsense that I sat through. It's all even better than this. The love story between the fucking elf and the dwarf. I'm at the point, guys. I'm like, I think I might be hate-watching now. It might be time. It's almost there. So the moment for me that I crossed over, and I literally sat up, we were watching this in bed, I sat up in bed, and I turned to Kelly, and I said, I now hate this show. Uh, it was when Cortland <laughs> is having his conversation with uh, Rowan, and he comes right out and says that this is how Julian became the head witch of the family, is that Catherine didn't want it and transferred his power and transferred yes. the connection to Lasher to Julian. F folks, not no, but hell no. Fuck no, man. Look, Julian, <laughs> Julian is, we've talked about Julian so much on this show. We thought, will they, won't they, or they, have they written him out? They might as well have written him out here because they've made it a bargain that he and Lasher and Catherine make because Catherine's put upon as the, you know, as the center of the family. That's bullshit. Julian was the witch because he was the stronger witch and Lasher was drawn to him. Also, right. Julian was a queer man, and he was drawn to Lasher in a sexual romantic way. You know, he, Lasher was only one of his male lovers. And here, it's like, it's a craven thing where he wanted the power of the family, and Catherine didn't, you know? I don't, I, anyway, that was the moment where I was like, fuck this, and fuck that, and fuck all of these folks. I Listen, <laughs> these people maybe are they crazy. still land a fairly satisfying... They, they might land a satisfying season of television still. That's possible, I suppose. And I've see, I see in our group, every now and again, you'll see somebody who says, you know, I'm really enjoying this. Some of those folks even also enjoy the novels. They're just like, I very much have a thing where, you know, books are one thing and adaptations are just a complete another thing. And you've got to imagine them almost as like, you know, answer songs instead of cover songs, you know? I don't, I don't know, man. To me, 
everything that I like about this first book has been thrown out of the window. And a lot of things I don't like about supernatural genre television has been brought in and added into this story. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, yeah, overall, I have flipped the switch now. I'm, I'm officially hate watching. Well, and the thing is too, it's like Rowan at this point is like psyched to meet this family. She's really like in the book, this is really important to her. This is what she's been wanting her entire life is to know more about her family and who she is and where she comes from and all of that, especially now that she's an orphan, basically, you know? And so this whole idea of her not wanting anything to do with them and kind of pushing everybody away is so strange. The scene with Jojo in the hospital where they're talking about what, what our Rowan would be thrilled about and excited about and ready to start fucking making moves and donating money and building wings on the hospital this Rowan is like, mm, I have a job in San Francisco. The fuck? Okay, right there. That's another thing, Ashley. We've been told, why did why were Michael and, and Aaron, uh, Michael uh, Curry and Aaron Leitner from the novel, why were those characters combined into one Cyprian Grieve, newly created character here, other than changing race, which they could have done and kept either of the original characters, right. honestly. Uh, but other than changing the race, why would they need to do that? We've been sold a bill of goods that the reason is they wanted to create a more agent, uh, uh, a more um, um, a more activated Rowan, a more centralized Rowan, Rowan who has full agency and isn't um, sort of talked about as often as she is in the novel. And yet, the one big thing that drives Rowan in the novel is the concept of extending life not just for herself the thing that she finds most uh alluring about lasher is the is the idea of immortality the idea that the two of them together could literally begin to mess with cells and cellular structure and extend human life not only rowan's but human life in general that's what rowan's idea is is big time medical advancement for the human race and the way that right. she actualizes that in the novel first and foremost is through mayfair medical she comes up with the concept for the first time of the family in you know investing in a big way in the medical industry pierce who is Cortland's son pierce is the in charge he's the lawyer in charge of the family at this point in the novel Cortland's already dead and pierce says oh, i don't know about medical investment but once rowan puts it together she the whole board gets on board everybody's excited about it they make a boatload of money and do a lot of good for the human race in the novels and yeah. here yeah they take it away from her completely they're already doing it. It's like, it's not even JoJo's yeah. idea. It's one of the old men's, I guess. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing. It's like, how, how does a, how is a character that's being ruled by this, this, this one ring, this fucking emerald, how is, how is, does she have any agency when she's, you know, it's like, they're treating it like a cursed amulet, you know, like it's a fucking Horcrux or something. Like, it's just, it's not the way. It's not the way this works. <laughs> oh, I, it's it's just it's very very startling to me. All right, let's 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 jump back. I said I was going to give a little synopsis, and then we just jump straight ahead. So this this episode. Yes, opens, we always. Um, well, first of all, <laughs> first and foremost, we do get our Scottish. The only good thing about this show is the Scottish story, although here too, they've changed things uh, with with the origin of. 
uh, Lasher, I mentioned this, uh, I think I mentioned this on last week, but you know, she begins to say the words when her sister suggests it. You know, Suzanne doesn't even uh, call Lasher right. down herself. They take that agency away as well. Uh, her sister's being chased by the no goodnik, and, and so she calls Lasher down. But here, again, this is the best part of the show, I would say, by far. It's the one time that Lasher looks interesting to me. He comes out right, of the flames. Right. I thought for a second in the shadow that they were going to have him in the modern suit, in the, the fantasy island suit, and I was literally going to throw something at my television. But they didn't. They've got well, him in we really cool. Well, we definitely got the nipple you know, buttons. Like, we still got them. <laughs> we still got them this true. episode because he wore buttons. that fucking suit but, um, again. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm so angry. I'm but, but so sorry. I'm like he's irate. Got the, he's got the Highland yes, he garb on and stuff. He comes out of the flame. I dig I dig all of that. It's I'm gonna be very interested here. I assume Suzanne was gonna die there. You know, Lasher doesn't free her like this in the novel. Um also the the ring, you know, I'm gonna say the ring, it's not a ring. The emerald, <laughs> the key that we've seen is brought into it's this a literal story too. Fucking and again, key. I'm like, yeah, but not just a key, but it's a key that belongs to the witch hunter, which are they, are they, are they making the witch hunter somehow central to this like ongoing narrative too? Are we going to find that this preacher man in the modern day storyline is somehow connected to the ancient? I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know where they're going to go with this in the, in the novels. The emerald is something that Suzanne, uh, not even Suzanne, it's Deborah. Deborah covets. Deborah. And yeah, and Lasher goes and gets it for her, steals it for her, and brings it to her. And it's literally just a token of Lasher's affection for his witches. There is, it's no magical talisman. There's, no, there's honestly no magic in it. They've made it this like, bottle for the genie that is Lasher and when it's on he's sort of contained and when it's off he's loosened and and now they're going to tie it back to this ancient storyline too and again I just man I don't know what they're doing this this feels like this feels like um you know basic cable we've said it before it's this is like Highlander bullshit this is this is not yeah. uh I mean late season charmed you know that's what this feels like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh this is something. This is something else, I tell you. I oh, yeah. So, I, I want to ask you about the Cyprian and Rowan's relationship. So that's the once we come to the modern day storyline, here they are in bed again. And I asked Kelly, I'm like, "How did she get we, we saw her wandering away from the house last week. Right. Uh, she she breaks the spell, kills Carlotta and wanders away from the house in her, you know, 1920s gown. And now she's in bed with Cyprian. How did she get there? How did like how did this happen? Also, they're in a relationship now, I guess, or Rowan's version. We know that she sleeps around a lot, but I mean, like, what? I don't know. How do you feel that that's a problem that they've skipped over that entirely, or do you feel like oh, yeah, the it's... Groundhog Day thing that we had going last week kind of makes up for it? You know, they maybe they've lived no, months does, together no. already in their heads. In their heads. I mean, sure, fine, whatever. But they didn't say that, and they didn't even go to imply that. It's so unearned. It's like it's it's. It just feels. It feels like this is in the script, so we did it. And if I like, I can't even watch these after after the show things anymore because I'm so tired of listening to that woman try to explain what the fuck they're doing and make it make sense. It makes my head hurt. 
<laughs> oh, and we, um, like Carlotta's oh, oh, dad. Okay. We don't we don't get any any sort of like we don't. I mean, we're not gonna mention it. We just how how far have we moved forward in time? Like for real, it's very confusing. Like we've got, now we have yeah now we've got That's this fully the fully blown relationship in bloom, and we haven't even mentioned old old crazy aunt, aunt dead Carla. What the hell? What a moment that would have been, by the way, to show the power and influence of the family. Have a John Grisham's The Firm style scene where Rowan's there, you know, has to be called into the police station or whatever with Carlotta's body, et cetera. Et cetera. This is the third dead body you've been found with in the last right. like, four or five days, lady. Uh, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, Cortland and a couple of boys that we've never seen that happen to also have the last name of Mayfair, they sweep into the room in fancy suits, and it's hush, hush, wink, wink, pat, pat on the back. I appreciate you so much. All the cops disappear from the room, and Cortland sits down at the table, and he says, now, sugar, this is just going to go away, <laughs> and you're not going to have to worry about it no more. <clears throat> and I want you to know that it means so much to me that you defended yourself from Carlotta when she was in such a rage. I've known my sister's anger for years. You know, you could have had this amazing scene. You've already that written then, the script. That then, well, but no, but a fucking Anne did, right? Like Anne did. Right. And it's not, she doesn't have this scene, but I'm saying you could have done, she does show the overwhelming influence of the family. We talked about in our book discussion, there's the scene where Pierce is talking to Michael about his previous success and Michael just feels it. He goes, oh, this is background check. This is, I've had PIs yeah. on me for weeks probably that I didn't know about. Every person I've ever talked to has been interviewed or investigated, you know? Like this dude knows my life history and everybody I've ever slept with and every scam I was in. You know, anyway, that moment well, never family, comes in this the, show. And here, so you could have spent... You could have spent five minutes and Rowan would have been beholden to them then, right? So if if Cortland right. says, you know, I've got a way, actually. You could get rid of Lasher and I could take him on or one of the other witches could, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, all of that would begin to make a little sense. You'd get some character development for all these people. But no, it's all done off screen, I guess. And we're just yeah. left to assume that either the yeah. cops didn't care or the Mayfairs are so powerful. Blah. It's a complete... It's a complete lack of relationship building amongst the characters, too. Like, we're just supposed to accept these relationships as they're shown to us. We're supposed to accept that now she's comfortable hanging out with Cortland and talking to him about his ALS. You know, like, it's just, it's so, and, and, and you're totally right about the family is strong. The family has power. The family has clout. And... Um, and and really, they're just being presented in this version. It feels like they're like a like a little circus sideshow. You know what I mean? Like, like they're like, ooh, the witches, and it's all about that aspect and not about like the other aspects of of you know of the family. It's like the focus is way too much on this. Quite frankly, as we've also discussed, created acts of witchcraft that weren't even in the book. So it's really like we're really getting shortchanged on. On not only the history of this very cool family, which is without a doubt the best part of the book, what they're giving us is just is just lazy and haphazard as far as relationships are being built. And you're totally right. Way too much shit's happening off screen. Way too much. Like that is not good storytelling. You're you're t you're telling me, you're not showing me. I don't like that. 
a great a great moment and a, I think a great example of that honestly is Tessa comes to have a meeting with Rowan as the designee of the family Tessa our blonde-haired activist that we were introduced to in the last episode uh, you know we've heard she's excited to have somebody that's using the power of the family for good so she comes to Rowan and she shows a picture on her phone of and she goes this is your mother's heart right <laughs> and I just I was like, what a fucking way to start a conversation. And also, then Rowan's so nonchalant. Like, well, I've seen a lot of hearts. <laughs> I've seen a lot of hearts. I've seen a lot of hearts. Now, this is where I'm really going to start hating on her performance. Like, I'm at that point, too. I'm just like, oh, you are so boring right now. I, I, There's no need to be this uninteresting. And to be, like, frankly, at this point, you're not, you're not even charming me. Like, I'm not even, like, charmed by you. And and that sucks. You're the fucking lead character. Ugh. She's no Lestat! It's the same way with, it's the same way with Mona slash Tessa. You, no, oh, God. There, and there's just... We've talked about this, too, but there's just no... There was so much chemistry. Think about think about the praise oh. that we had for characters like... Uh, was it was it Bricktop, you know, and and our councilman? That was was my right, favorite right. throughout the, the season and interview, you know? Uh, anyway, there, there, yes. there were layers even those, to that even show those minor that just characters. aren't there. And listen, listen, here's the one thing. I think season even those two, minor you, characters show's already been renewed, right? Better. So it's coming. Right, yes, right, right, yes, right. a million percent. And they were they were all bringing their A game. They were all committed. They were all seemingly in love with the content. Here's here's the positive note that I'll struck uh, strike in the middle of this. We've already gotten a renew, renewal for season two. AMC is committed not only to, to this show but the universe at large. They have to then understand this is a long term play, and just like they did with The Walking Dead, when there are needed changes in both the creative team and in front of the camera, right? Those can be made. Those those can be made and should be made. I joked about writing off the character of Rowan, but realistically, there are a couple of places where that character could go away and be replaced as our primary antagonist for this family, right? Yeah. And, and you've already set up one that might have a little more spark and charisma. I don't love the character of Tessa here. I hate what they've done with her as compared to the character that she's based on from the novels, Mona, which I want to get to right now. This is another example, uh, Ashley, where I want to get your opinion. Why in the world would you need to change this name and character? We've talked about it before. Mona has red hair. The character of Mona Mayfair as a name is, yes, a little comic booky. That's sort of the point. She's too cute for belief. Like, that is that character almost, right? She's literally got the big bows, the fancy outfits. She is a little southern princess. Also, she's the Blanche Devereaux. She's she's a, a cat about town. She's, you know, what what's the character from... Uh, a cat on a hot tin roof. I mean, this, this is mm -hmm. this is that sultry southern character. Now, in the novels, she's too young. I get that. You want to age her up. She's a late teen, early twenties. That's what we've got in the character of Tessa. But why not make her a redhead? Why not make her named Mona? There's no reason that you I don't can even explain care. to me that, that that makes sense. Yeah, I don't even care about, like, the hair color doesn't generally bother me unless it's, like, a really fucking big deal in the character. Like, it doesn't bother me. I don't care. Even if it's a big deal in the character, I really don't fucking mind. I don't... It doesn't matter. But, but 
They're literally, the only reason to make any changes to Mona is if you think it's icky that she's so young. And that's really it. I mean, that's all. And all you do is the same thing we did with Claudia, and that's age her up. So I don't understand, unless they just don't want you even thinking about how young Mona is when we start out. You know what I mean? Unless they just don't want you to even, even associate the characters. But the thing is, is book readers are automatically going to associate these two characters. Like, you can't avoid it. She's, even if Mona's going to show up, you know, season two, and we actually get real Mona, we'll always remember that we got fucking tricked by this Tessa bitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, we got, we got cousin Bobby from, from the yes! fucking Brady Bunch over here. Where did you come Shit, from? Yeah. Don't worry. It's the whole new multiverse. <laughs> oh. and, yeah. Here's, I here's, mean, here's it, the thing, though, too. Okay, so in the book, she is this sort of sultry, very sexual character. As a matter of fact, in, in the novels, she's made the promise to herself that she's going to screw every male Mayfair member of the family. Uh, you know, she makes that promise when she's like 12, I think, or something. And she's done yeah. it by the time that the novel Lasher starts, I believe. Here, how do they translate that to screen? They give her the magical power of date rape i guess like she glamours I, people and they do anything that she wants <laughs> she glamours men especially and they do anything she wants that's you want to yeah. talk about icky yeah and what that's are you also doing like, again once again like not giving a character any real agency like you talk about you want this to be the feminist show well why 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 would her power have to be 100 percent about fucking men period it's so it's so aggravating you know like it just like that that's what her character is is you know based on she fucking can trick men into to her will well we've all been doing that for fucking years y'all women have been doing that forever forever our, our scooby-doo talamasca meanwhile has uh Jesus they've Christ. got the, the mayfair emerald and Cyprian is going to go into the interrogation room. Kelly asked me, by the way, why would they take that into a soundproof room? Why is he doing it that there? And I said, because they built one set. <laughs> they built yep. one set and then that desk that the old lady can sit at. That's all they got for the Talamasca. Yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, he's in this room and he's going to go into the the memories of the the uh, object and try to find out what the origin of Lasher is. I guess that's what he's doing here. They don't really say that. They sort of, you know, again whatever man let's just get to it so he goes back in time and he's there as suzanne is about to be uh dunked uh into the water and drowned for her witchcraft i first and foremost this organization's entire purpose supposedly is to protect rowan that's what we've been told uh rowan and cyprian literally have a fight at the beginning of this episode because lasher is in the room with them and rowan wasn't telling him that or was telling him specifically that Lasher wasn't there. That he wasn't. And yet he immediately goes, let me leave you here. Yeah, let me leave you here, and then I'm going to go to the office. Um, so, and then the organization is there. We're going to do the experiment on this device. And they're like, they don't, none of them think maybe Lasher is going to fuck with Rowan while we do this. Right, right, right. I just, mm. I will say we did get a little um, a little nod to the fact that this is not a Telemaska mother house we are in, um, because the one of the one of the one of the Scooby Doo crew said, uh, "Shouldn't don't you think we should take this to a mother house or something like the mother house or something like that?" 
So I kind of like that reassurance. And maybe my idea that this is just, that the, the New Orleans office is just a complete shit show is actually accurate. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know if you are familiar with this show, but there's a show that is, is technically a spinoff of the original What We Do in the Shadows film. I think it comes from the BBC or something. I watch it on HBO Max. It's called Wellington Paranormal. Are you familiar with this show? Oh, I'm not. Uh, it's very, very funny. It's, it is like uh, what we do in the shadows. It is a mockumentary style uh, show, but it's set in Wellington, New Zealand. And it is about a couple of cops who have been assigned to the paranormal squad. And so like they have, you know, aliens and pod people and, you know, ghosts and mummies and whatever uh, episode to episode. Very, very funny. But it's, it's like the office, but with spookies effectively. And Love it. that is sort of what this Talamasca group seems like to me this is this is the wellington paranormal of the talamasca basically yeah yeah it's like like yeah that sounds a hundred percent accurate also i kind of want to watch the other show but not so much this one <laughs> yeah right so so the again one little good part in the episode that i did enjoy a little bit is the gathering of the witches so Cortland says uh my cousin dolly jean which by the way we should mention here we do have the, the, the black side of the Mayfair family, which comes from the novels. However, as many of our fans have pointed out in the Facebook group, which, by the way, if you're on Facebook, join our Facebook group. We've also got a Discord community you could join if you're not a Facebook person. Either one of those, the links are in the show notes. Um, several people in the Facebook group have mentioned, and I think of the Discord as well, the black side of the Mayfair family and the white side of the Mayfair family very specifically do not mix. They don't go to social gatherings together. They both benefit from the, you know, the giant legacy uh, pool of money that, that is the Mayfair Trust. But, you know, uh, what is it? It's not Grandmama, isn't it? Uh, Nana or something. Anyway, Mayfair's grandmother uh, that passes away early in that novel, uh, Mayfair, Merrick's grandmother, excuse me, that passes away early in that novel, uh, one single representative of the white side of the family shows up to drop off a check. Like, that's it. And it's very, like, they meet him at the door and it's very <laughs> confrontational kind of thing. So, like, the fact that Dolly Jean and Cortland are hanging out and, and passing notes and, and calling each other is a little strange, but okay, okay, whatever. Um, I did like, though, the gathering of these witches, and we see we get a cross-section of the powerfully, you know, gifted members, female members of the Mayfair family in the current generations. I think this is kind of cool. And you see, like, it's suburban house mom and, like, businesswoman and cool alt chick and Tessa, you know, and all of them. <clears throat> I thought that was a cool gathering. And while it's not anything that we see in the novel, this is one of those moments where I could give the TV writers sway to do something interesting visually, but they just don't do a whole lot with it, honestly. It ends up being, oh, she's sort of possessed and now she's going to what? She's going to throw up the emerald. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, 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 and I, I didn't love this. I um, thought it was, you know, we brought all these women into the space, um, presumably to be part of the scene, and then they all just kind of stand there. There's really not much going on for this, for all of these, you know, presumably of, of varying strength witches of the family. Um, and, and does this, you know, like, I, I think it's kind of convoluting the whole concept of the 13th witch too. Cause it's like, well, do you just need 13 witches in a room? Like what, 
Or does it have to be this 13th witch and now it is Tessa the 14th witch and now have we gone past our 13th witch for our prophecy or whatever the bullshit is? I don't know. So so this is what, that's sort of what Tessa tried to, uh, not Tessa, uh, Stella, excuse me. The TV Mayfairs are screwing with the book Mayfairs for me. Stella tried to do this in her time as the designee, right? She gathered all the powerful members of the family. Oh, that is true. Yeah, she did. Spiritual, you know, gifted people that she knew. And she tried to bring Lasher through. And we see, by the way, in this episode, we do see some of the canisters where it's like a head here and a hand there and sort of thing. And so you get a hint at some of those experiments that have happened in the past. This is Julian's workshop, supposedly, right. in the, the TV universe, but still. Um, well, and I will say we got to mention a Julian's diary, right? Which is a big thing that happens right. in the in the novels as well. The fact that they've bastardized it here by making it like part of his play to get the power of the family um, bothers me a little bit. But but I I wouldn't have minded this gathering. I sort of like that visually. But you're right. You've got all of these women who you imagine are powerful, interesting characters in their own right, and yet. The only ones that even speak are Tessa, Dolly, and uh, Tessa's mother, and uh, Jojo. Right. They all have like one line each, basically, you know? And then everybody chants together. I, yeah, it's just underwhelming. And then also for the big magical moment, effectively, to be the same thing in reverse that we saw the Talamasca do last week with the dagger, right? The one right, with the, the dagger damn dagger. Her own body. Yes. Right. So this is basically just that. Uh, except taking something back. And so I'm like, this isn't even something special for the Mayfairs. Like, why not have Lasher be more involved in it directly? Why not Why well, not have Lasher literally, you know, join? Listen, this is TV. We're making sexy TV, right? Why not have Lasher fuck Rowan and, and, and Tessa and that be how it transfers? Like, genuinely. Well, well, I mean, you could. The other thing is- I'm making is, a better show. I'm making, by... Ashley, you and me are just you gonna- You are. We're just gonna start writing our own show. Yeah, yeah, we're fucking doing it. Um, we're sending them scripts as we speak. <laughs> um, oh, shit, I got off track. I can't remember what I was going to say. Um, what were we just saying? We were talking about the transference. Uh, oh, we were talking, I, I said, you know, why not have it, make it a threesome? Uh, it was before that. The threesomes, what, threw me off. Threesomes always will throw you off if you're not <laughs> expecting them. Um <laughs> Shit! Oh, no, Inquisition. Me. No one. No one expects no one, the spinach no Inquisition. Expe <laughs> no one expects a surprise threesome. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> shit. I'll think of it in a second. I'm sure it'll come back to me. Well, we were talking about that. That they used the the same Talamasca trick. Basically, they pulled the dagger through oh, the body. Oh, okay. And, yeah. And thank now you. They've pulled thank the, you. The emerald. Yes. So even the reveal of the two, even the two reveals, if you had flipped them, would have been better storytelling. To me, it would be much more interesting for us to realize, oh, fuck, that that necklace is not in Sip's hands anymore. And then to go to back to the witches and have it be thrown up, I guess, there, I think that would have been even more interesting storytelling wise. I would have because like I already knew it was fucking gone. I knew it was I knew she had just thrown it up. I knew it wasn't going to be in his hands when he opened his hands, you know, like it just you're, you're giving away all yes. your tricks. And your tricks are all repetitive. Yeah, which at this point, honestly, Ashley, like this, now we're impugning, not only are we impugning the showrunners and the writers and the actors, we're impugning the editor at this point, too. Like, put those, uh, scenes, put those scenes in reverse order. <laughs> yeah, fucking, come on now. 
Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't, I, I, we have been so patient and willing to accept this new information as it is, especially since we were so willing to go along with whatever the showrunners of interview were giving us. But now I realize that if they had really fucked that up, we would be just as pissed, if not more so than we are now. <laughs> oh, oh, Ashley. We would have burned the place we, down. Honestly, yeah. we were <laughs> close to rioting to in episode five with the violence, right? There's this massive right. amount of violence between or from Lestat to Louis that doesn't take place in the books. And we bent over backwards trying to, man, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to justify it. I really don't know. Yeah, it's an it, unreliable it's, narrator. And even now, it's sort of a sore <laughs> spot. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think they've still got a. I think they've still got a case to build. I think they they're not there yet. But overall, the quality of that show was so high, and there are so many pieces, so many, you know, core parts of those characters and that plot line that have been brought to screen. There, it was a very satisfying experience, even for a fairly book purist. Here, yeah. we're not book purists. We were open to big swings, and what they've given us instead is just largely unsatisfying TV. Okay, well, let's wrap this thing up, though, because the, well, the ending was just... even... Here's the one time I will say they didn't give us an interesting ending. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say... Also, this is, this is, I'm starting to feel like they really fucked up getting, combining Michael and Aaron because it complete, like Rowan doesn't have anyone but Sip and I don't buy that relationship yet. You know what I mean? And with the whole thing with Aaron is that he's this super smart, knowledgeable, older man. He's a safe person to be with. He knows the truth about the family. He knows what kind of danger she's in, what kind of danger Michael's in. And so because of that, she has somebody on her side that she can 100% trust that also is like in on the game, that's in on the secrets, that's in on the family, you know? And, and not having that outside of the sex partner is like, is really a loss, I think. I think it's really, I don't think they really thought that through because you're really missing a really important support character who is 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 well constructed in the in the book itself. I just think it's a bummer, man. And I think it hurts Rowan. It makes her less relatable because there's no one there relating to her. Well, they could have they could have even just kept more of either of those characters or or both definitely, but there's so little of Michael, so little of Aaron in Cyprian that yeah, he's effectively only warming her bed. And as we've said, he's not even playing a good protector. He hasn't really increased her knowledge of the Mayfair family or her powers or the Talamasca or the you know paranormal universe at large. Like what is his role here other than again, just like Rowan, to be sort of battered around by the events that the showrunner keeps coming up with, you know? Right. It's a mess. Right. So Tessa Tessa does become the new designee of the family. She gets Lasher's favor. She is claimed, or at least that's what the ceremony uh, tells that's, us. And she takes that's the what the Russians would have us believe. And goes upstairs to look in the mirror. Yeah, right, right. Although 
She calls to Lasher, and we don't see Lasher come to her. Then no, we, we fast not. forward a little bit, and she apparently can't wait for uh, Rowan to do anything about it. She can't wait to talk to Uncle Cortland and use the power of the family to do anything about it, as she called on Rowan to do herself when Rowan was the designee. She decides, as designee of the Mayfair family, she's going to walk off into the woods and meet uh, her new internet boyfriend who has Deidre's heart. What? the fuck is this girl thinking yeah she's not because she's not smart <laughs> and also this guy's just carrying around this fucking igloo ice chest with a jarred heart in it like it's a normal thing and fine Ugh. i i love by the way they let the glamour work on him which we're like, oh, okay. I I was worried for her, and then I'm like, oh, well, she's glamoured. Oh, she's going to be, be fine. Yeah. Even though previously in the episode, she'd made a big deal about the fact that she doesn't like her glamour. Her glamour is a terrible power. Um, but no, they knew that she was going to do that. This is all a trap. There's a bunch of men around her, and she's she's captured now as she's in a cage at the end of the episode calling for Lasher to come and save her, which he seemingly won't do. But like... I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, honestly, she comes to Rowan in this episode and says, there are these witch hunters. We've got to do something to, about it. We've got to right. band together. Then she gets the power of the family and doesn't even mention it to the Can't other. Can't do the there's, things. There's a room full of witches. She doesn't mention it to witches. any of them. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's just, you're, again, you are not. You, in this same episode, you established that that character thought that something needed to be done and that here are the ways we could get something done with it. And she does none of that and walks right into the most obvious trap that anyone has ever fallen into. Yeah, right. It is, and again, we want to talk about basic cable. This at least is premium cable. This reminded me very much of the Church of the Sun or whatever from True Blood with, with the, the Texas vampire killers where they would, you know, lay traps for vamps or whatever. This seems like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, yeah. The absurdity of it all is just, is just kind of mind-blowing. And, and yeah, I don't... I wasn't bothered by this, by this like little plot twist with the whole modern day witch hunters at first because it was like, well, I mean, maybe they are trying to pull in that, you know, that supernatural audience, that, that audience that enjoys, you know, that vampire diaries and that kind of show, you know, like maybe they're just trying to pull in some of those fans and I get that, but it's just like, for, for now we've got what, two episodes left? And that's all we're going to be doing is dealing with the fallout of this stupid shit for the next two episodes. So it has well, to be and I did not think, And it can't actually, just be a little side plot. It has to be something that matters. Otherwise, why would you waste this much time on your eight of your eight episode season on it? Oh, yeah. It's absolutely going to be central to the plot line moving forward. I, I did not think about watching the episode. I did not think about this impact, but I read it in our comments, and I think they're absolutely right. This is dangerous ground to tread on, too. First and foremost, what they're doing here, the showrunners, clearly, they're tying, like, the men's rights activist movement to... Right. They have uh, a very you know, incel witch feel. Witch hunters, basically, and they're trying... Yeah, I think they're trying to say, look how ridiculous, right? These these men are as silly as witch hunters of, you know, generations past. But here's the deal. Gen witch hunters of generations past killed a lot of women, you know, thousands yeah. and thousands of women across Europe uh, during the, you know, 1500s and 1600s. And 
Today, we don't have people roaming town to town and burning women. What we do have, though, Ashley, is active attempts all across our country at state level and federal level to expunge from existence trans and gay people. That's an active thing that is happening right now. And to me, playing with the idea of these these incels, these men's rights activists, these you know, um, anti-feminist sort of tropes playing around with that in the context of witch burnings and witch drownings and things like this is dangerous fucking territory that we are not even begun to remove ourselves from, you know, in our like recent past. So I had not really considered that, but it's absolutely true. These showrunners got to land this in a way that understands that. And that, I mean, I, this is done, right? This season's all done. I don't know what I'm appealing to them at this point for, but moving forward, AMC's got to think about this and the way that you address these, these characters and these sort of storylines, you've got to be more sensitive with it. They did a good job with the question of race in the interview with the vampire series and we praise them for it. We're going to challenge you here for it when you do it poorly. Yeah, yeah, I I do think that there's a lot to be said for that. And also like there's in in um in the society today, particularly in our country in the US, there violence against women is a huge issue. Um and it does affect our trans sisters more than than our cis sisters, and that's something we do need to acknowledge and and we do need to be aware of and we do need to speak up for. Um, the number of women that are killed by intimate partners um, is astounding. Uh, homicide is one of the leading causes of death among pregnant women. Like, you know, like, I don't really know that bringing this, bringing something up that didn't exist in the storyline to be more violent against women is the best or the most fun way to go with a storyline. I just think there's already so much of that shit and, and it's everywhere. And, 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 and for once it really wasn't in this book, you know, this wasn't part of the book aside from that, you know, from in the past storylines, you know, and even those once Deborah's done, we're really not dealing with that anymore. So it's just, I don't know. It's like, what a weird, what a weird, what a weird choice to make. Um, when, I mean, I guess maybe you're wanting to show it, but God, we see enough of it. We see enough of it every day. We see it in our ladies see it in their damn DMs, you know, like, fuck. Anyway, I just don't like don't do it unless you're going to really tell a good story. Don't do it unless you mean it. Don't do it unless it's going to you're going to, like you said, land it. And they really are going to have to for me with this. Yes, yes, I agree. I agree. Meanwhile, our episode ends with, and here's what I mean when I say, I, I have praised the show in the past. They they do really have great openings yeah. of their episodes with this with the Scottish flashbacks, and they have and the had, endings have been I, really up baller. to this point. They've had pretty good endings of episodes. This one, this one to me, I did not care for. Effectively, we get Cyprian lost in time here, and I thought to myself, like, uh oh, oh boy, it's 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 Sam Beckett, right? <laughs> you know, he's gonna he's gonna flash <laughs> through the Mayfair family now, except. Except that's the thing too, Ashley. We know he's not. He's not going to flash through the Mayfair family because we've already been told by the showrunners and IMDb and everybody that the only part of the history we're going to see is Suzanne. So all we're going to do here, well, probably what we're going to do here is Cyprian's just going to wake up in the next episode and we're not even going to see it. And there's going to be, be no explanation. And walking around and be like, <laughs> you guys remember that? You guys remember that time when I was lost in time for a while? Boy, that was crazy. That was I'm so crazy. glad it resolved itself off screen. 
Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway, y'all, folks, listen. If you have abandoned ship, I promise you we will let you know when and if any uh, interview with the vampire characters cross over. And if so, I'm willing to bet money that there will be a clip of that up on YouTube within about 30 minutes anyway. So you might not even have to uh, to deign to watch the episode just for the crossover character just too. Just get your clip. We are going to give you a little bit more... Yeah, right. We're going to give you a little bit more synopsis from now on like we did in this episode and try to let you know exactly what happened along the way. But um, yeah, man, I understand everybody's frustration with it. And as you've heard in this episode, Ashley and I um, share it. This is a wonderful story at its heart. That's the reason why Ashley and I have both read it so many times over the years, love to talk about these stories. And we're looking forward to this series with so much anticipation. Um, they have not done that. They've not brought us any of that story. There is still hope that there can be a good story here, even with bad foundings and, and bad beginnings. Right. I, I like to go back. The first season of The Walking Dead was pretty good. Second and third season were sort of lame. And then they found their footing. And then they went off the rails again. And to hear fans that are watching the latest seasons, they got a new showrunner for the last three or four. And they're back on track to a very satisfying conclusion, apparently, this last season. I, that's what we can get here, right? Yeah, shows have absolutely. ebbs and flows, especially ones with a long life. AMC wants a long lifespan for these shows. So this is not a foregone conclusion. We do have an investment in the future of this series as it goes. And Ashley, or I, or, or Ashley and I are both invested in it because we're going to keep talking about all this stuff, folks. We love that's right. Anne Rice's work and we love the Immortal Universe and we want more of it. So the good, the I'm bad, and the ugly, it, even if it pisses we'll be me here off. for all of it. This was some of the ugly, though. Let's hope for, let's hope for better next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're going to watch it even if we're even if we're mad about it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, we uh, we were late arriving this week, so it'll be a faster turnaround for us uh, as we get ready for episode seven. Come back and join us then. Whether you've watched it or not, we'll keep you up to date. Yeah, we'll watch it so you don't in, have to. Uh, this corner of. That's right. We'll provide that service for you. <laughs> Taking one um, for the team, until Joel. Until then, we have been your hosts. <laughs> always always taking one for the team uh until then we've been your hosts i'm joel i'm ashley and we are the articulate coven Thanks for listening to The Articulate Coven. You can join our community on Facebook by following the links in the show notes or searching for Articulate Coven on Facebook. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at articulatecoven.com and share us with your Anne Rice-loving friends. <laughs>